Hey, Risto here with uh, George Mason University. Uh, Kevin and I are uh, joined today by Dr. Ashley Casey uh, from Loughborough University and Mikhail Quinnerstedt from Örebro University in Sweden. Um, we'll be discussing the 2020 article that just came out uh, that they published together titled Cooperative Learning in Physical Education, Encountering Dewey's Educational Theory. Uh, the paper literally is just uh, preprint online right now, uh, published in the European Physical Education Review. So uh, thanks so much for joining us to talk about your article. Yeah, so Ash, can you just give us a brief uh, overview of your position, what you do? Yeah, so um, my role at uh, Loughborough University is uh, kind of twofold, uh, but predominantly I lead the teacher education program in physical education. Okay. And uh, Mikhail? Yeah. Yeah, and, and my role is being a professor in physical education and health at Örebro University in Sweden, uh, leading research and supervision and staying on in meetings all day. Awesome. <laughs> so I'll go, I'll go right off script in the very beginning because this is a question that's very interesting to me is how did you two get together to start publishing papers together? Where did that kind of, um, you know, research relationships start from? Um, uh, Mickey can uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I first started attending uh, British Education Research Association conference in 2005 as a um, doctoral student working with uh, David Kirk. Um, and Mikhail was attending his first Vera at the same time. I believe, and uh, over you know, sort of ten years, we uh, we got talking. I was used to fear a question from Mikhail because I knew it was going straight at the heart of what I'd done, and secondly, it was going to show me everything I'd done wrong. Um, and then uh, I was I presented a paper on my own um, on autobiographical inquiry, and Mikhail was in the audience, and he basically said. He had a no large number of questions. Um, I invited him for a coffee um, and said, great, do you want to write this with me? And he said, maybe, but I need to see the data. So I uh, sent him the data and then we wrote our first paper, which was in our QES in 2015. Um, how did I do, Mikhail? Yeah, it's, it's, it's about our history. We've been asking... Uh, each other questions over the years from different perspectives and and for me it's about working with people that can challenge you and have different positions than you in different aspects and I think this is is this the fourth or fifth paper we've written together now yeah it's the fourth the fifth is hopefully coming out ah, soon yeah sure So can you, uh, let's, let's get into the uh, paper. Can you begin a little bit uh, with the background leading up to this manuscript? I know, uh, Ash, specifically, you've done a lot of uh, prior research on cooperative learning and curriculum theory. You came on our second podcast to talk about your models-based paper. Um, so how is this study positioned? Yeah, I mean, this uh, we did a review of literature in, of cooperative learning in 2015, uh, Vicky Goodyear and I, and then we started thinking about well, what's the future direction for cooperative learning? And we uh, we wrote the first draft of a paper, um, submitted it to PEST, um, and uh, Mikhail was the um, was the associate editor 
and we you know we got um got a very challenging very good review on the paper um and ironically we never we we, we didn't we couldn't address all the all the the, the concerns well, concern, well you know concerns with the paper i guess would be the right word and but one of the things that we were challenged by either by one of the reviewers or by Mikhail himself was um to consider the ontological and epistemological background of cooperative learning because there was lots of talk particularly from the social independence theorists about children being cooperative um rather than you know it being a cooperative situation um so uh, as i do i i kind of went back into the the history of uh, cooperative learning as far as i could there was a lot of history with john dewey mentioned in the kind of the beginning but there wasn't a single paper um, in physical education that had used his work um so when i want to talk about dewey um i don't read his entire work i speak to Mikhail. <laughs> Um, so that's so. Then we started talking and wanted to see what would happen if we actually brought Dewey back into the paper. I think the original title for the paper was "Lost in Transaction," which was a play on Dewey's notions, but also the fact that it's you know, almost missing in action. Yeah, it it was interesting because I was reading reading through the beginning of the paper and. I mean, there is a ton of background information. It is like a small review of literature on the entire history of cooperative learning. I'm going, man, these guys really dove deep into into this literature review. And then afterwards, you cite that you did a review of literature. And so I'm, you know, it, it shows how, you know, and we've had, you know, Stephanie Benny on when she talked about meaningful physical education and she did the same thing. Like do a really big review of literature, build so much of your future papers on top of that. So since you both know a lot about cooperative learning, um, how does that differ from more traditional teacher-centered approaches to instruction? I've just taught Mikhail, do you want to pick up or do you want me to go? No, you have a go on that one. Oh, you can have the Dewey question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, how does it how does it differ from um, yeah, just group work? I guess I guess the question is, you know, I have a lot of teachers that come up and or even our students that say they're doing cooperative learning, but it's just simply group work. And I kind of want to get from this paper the the differences between that. Just because I'm putting them in some uh, group work situation that I call cooperative learning, it's not necessarily using the cooperative learning uh, you know, pedagogical model that we use in physical education that you have in that table one of the five different um, critical elements that you talk about. Yeah, I mean, I guess that uh... I spent a, a lot of time, and I've talked to Ben Dyson about this, spent a lot of time kind of creating a notion of what cooperative learning was. Um, and now I'm trying to spend a lot of time taking that apart a little bit. I think I've got into a position where I know what it is and people know what it is, but I guess I'm trying to soften the edges and some of the work I've been doing with Kale and um, 
also working with Anne McPhail and Hawkan Larson on a paper with McHale looking at um, models-based practice um, and getting away from concepts of it as a proper noun and a fixed thing. So I guess part of me says that the difference between cooperative learning and group work would be the five elements um, in that you would hope to have positive interdependence, individual accountability, uh, promoted face-to-face -face interaction, small group and, and interpersonal skills and group processing. And I've not said that many times. Um, uh, and I guess that's the aspiration uh, and, and, and uh, you know, um, that eventually if that was the desire of the teacher and it was compatible with the school they were in um, and, and they felt that it was the best way moving forwards and that's what cooperative learning would look like. That would be the textbook approach. Thanks. However, I think an aspiration to be cooperative and, and to teach young people about cooperation and help them in the process of becoming cooperative doesn't necessarily, one doesn't, not necessarily, doesn't have to start with those, all those aspirations. So, you know, you know, I guess some of the stuff that your, your guys are doing is, is, is cooperative learning. Um, and it might not be, you know, it might be a, a watered down or a cafeteria approach, which uh, might have a conversation with um, individuals about those terms. Um, and uh, but it's it, it's an aspiration, I guess. So, what's textbook? Where you put the five elements in, you have the main idea, the critical elements, the learning aspirations. But I think the aspirations are the key here, that, that cooperative learning, as all pedagogical models, should be seen as an aspiration. Yeah. Go ahead, Kevin. <clears throat> so, yeah, uh, Ash, just to follow up on that, because something that you said really sparked a, an interest for me. Um, I, with one of my former doctoral students, we just finished a, kind of a review of the, the history and the development of uh, the TPSR model. Um, and yeah, a big, I saw that. Uh, yeah, and, and, a, and one, of the, one of the things that I really walked away from from that whole process is one of the most arduous papers I've ever written because we had to read so much to even just get started. But what I walked away from was this feeling that um, TPSR was more than just a way of delivering instruction. It, it, it's a way of being. It's a philosophy of life. Um, and, and the way that you just described cooperative learning and that kind of commitment to be cooperative feels similar. Like it's more than just a model. It's a way of being. It's a way of of interact. So I don't know if there's a question there, more of an observation, but I think, but I think, uh, but I think it's, uh, I, I think it can be both. Um, I mean, I termed a phrase in my PhD, which was pedagogical fluency. Uh, mm. And I guess it was the notion of that when you start to think in the model, then you have that notion of pedagogical fluency. And I can see that sort of being something that you no longer you know, you no longer think about, but you don't, you don't contest with yourself. You don't translate it from a, from a command style into a cooperative learning. You just think in that way. It just so I guess it has that aspiration to be bigger. Yeah, it's just the kind of, I mean, of all the models, cooperative learning for me, I don't even, I don't have to plan to be cooperative. <laughs> I don't have to plan how to break a group up. I don't have to do that. I just, you know, I've used it for so long that, you know, I understand it really well, but. But I think it can be a model, and I think it, the aspiration for it to be a model and to help teachers in the first instance to be, you know, this is the next step, this step one, this step two can be really useful. But I think beyond that, and something that's taken me a while 
to get used to is that when we when I talk about when I've talked about with Pete Tasty about model fidelity, I do not mean that teachers shouldn't have room for maneuver. I do not mean, and I never did. And if reread the paper, it's it's not we should be holding teachers accountable. It's that we can't just say in research that I did cooperative learning or I did TPSR or I did sport education because every iteration of that with every class is different. So we need to understand from a research perspective what actually happened within um, an intervention before we can start to make connections with what the outcomes are. If you replicated a study I did in cooperative learning, you wouldn't get the same results exactly. Hopefully you would get a sense of what you could expect. So I think it can be a model, but I also think it can be a way of being and a way of teaching and a way of, 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 of I'm going to stick with being, I think. Yeah. Well, in that, that process of, of it becoming automatic, I, I think is you know interesting to me. I think that there are some socialization implications there that are kind of running through my head. But, um, you know, I think about like beginning teachers, um, even the groups that we've worked with uh, with TPSR, you're right. It's like they almost have to translate it in their head from a direct instruction approach to, to more of a student centered autonomy supportive approach. Um, and I guess the goal uh, for them would be to shift to a point where, you know, if, that, if that's what they want to commit to doing, then it just becomes automatic. Um, yeah, so when I, I first started using cooperative I just used worksheets. I put my entire teaching onto worksheets. And that was a justification to myself that I was still teaching in a traditional sense. It was it was scaffolding the, the, the young people so that they had everything I would normally give them. Uh, yeah. As I've moved through that, I think I've moved away from that quite a lot. But I think you see, and, you know, I can certainly recognize that in myself and, and other young teachers I've worked with. Mm. Um, so I'll, I'll get back on script. Risto's probably getting frustrated with me asking questions that are all the way off uh, the, the, the list we've got here. But um, so the next one that, that I've got is you grounded this inquiry in Dewey's idea of education and experience. So can you provide a brief overview of that theory of education? Well, of course, a quick answer is no. Uh, <laughs> I mean, because he wrote over 50 years and so many books. He started in 1896, a paper on reflex arc in psychology from 1896 to his later work on transaction. Um, so, so it's a lot to, to go through. But I can, of course, say something what, what we'll be doing in this paper, what we'll be used in this paper. And, and I, I would say important for us in this paper is this idea of education as a growth of experience. And, and that is the part we're using. And, and education then becomes an active process where we act in the world through our experience that adds the meaning to further experience, which means that it's a certain view of time in terms of every experience involves the past of previous experience and it has a direction in that sense and and it's it's about experience in the environment this is transactional idea of experience it's not of the environment or about the environment so so in this way it's about doing something where the experiencer the experience and what is experienced all have a potential to to change uh, in a process and and for us uh, cooperation then becomes something we do and constantly redo we talked about that we act and suffer the consequences of our actions 
we live something in our everyday life. We live cooperation. So in this sense, learning cooperation means continuously experiencing cooperation. I mean, most people have heard about learning by doing. From, from Dewey, they use that. It's not only by doing something, but it's about living something. He used that phrase in, ter- in, in relation to democracy, mm-hmm. where it talked about in order to be democratic citizens, we need to live through democratic acts over and over again. It's not about something, a small act or doing something practically. It's about living something. So that is, yeah. that is a part of Dewey we have, have used in this paper. Yeah, yeah. And so um, figure one in the, in the published article provides a, a really helpful and important illustration for how educational theory can interact with cooperative learning and PE. Uh, and so I was just hoping that you could uh, take a minute to kind of walk through that model and discuss some of the implications for practice. And, and if I start and just take what we took from Dewey in, in terms of these elements, and, and you, Ash, can continue with, with the pra- how, how we practically did that. But, mm. but what we tried to do, is we, we took, took uh, education of growth uh, from, from Dewey and said, okay, what, would, what do we need to add from educational theory in this sense? to what is already done in cooperative learning. And then it was first an an educative element in terms of uh, focusing on on children's or or, or pupils' further and richer experiences. How do we, by doing cooperative acts, uh, enhance further richer experiences? Then we needed to add the situational element that Ash was mentioning, which is about the shift from making children cooperate to consider children as participants in cooperative events. And that is the shift in terms of how we look at the situation. And then the communal element, which is about making cooperation something in common in the group through looking at, because uh, children participate in, in, in a group work activity, for example, with different ends in view or different ideas of what is happening. and. And there will be a diversity in end, end, what do we call ends in view. And we need to take that into consideration to make that in something in common. And lastly, the directional and temporal element, which is about moving from teaching cooperation as a specific thing, as a, as a, as a noun, this is cooperation, to living through the consequences of joint cooperative actions in a more open-ended process. So that's that's what we took from Dewey's theory. Try to, before we put it in a model, do uh, Ash actually tested it in in practice? So you can say something about that, Ash. Yeah, I mean, we when we first started the first uh, iteration of the paper, there was no model. There was no. There were five um, ideas, five elements. Um, and I guess we're not suggesting that you would then go up 10 cooperative learning elements. Um, and I think we, this, this, is a, this is a shift, conceptual shift a little bit, in that what previously we've had is, is situations where cooperative learning, it becomes a scaffolding around which we build physical education. So we, we put uh, young people into groups. Um, we, we ask them to work um promotively um and take individual responsibility uh, have interactions and reflect but the outcome of the the lesson is 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 
quite traditional, I guess, in that it's get better at basketball. You know, the ways I've used it in track and field athletics or in in gymnastics or swimming, or, you know, these are kind of traditional outcomes. So we we use cooperative learning for those aims. So when we started to look at this, it was, you know, okay, so what, what would be the focus? And, and this would be the focus on, again, the, the, the aim would be cooperation. So we would be teaching about cooperation. We would be helping young people to become cooperative. So I had the opportunity to go to Hong Kong in November and present at the phase conference. Um, and they asked me to do a keo and some practical sessions. So I, you know, I ran a one day workshop on models based practice. One day we'll sit out a beer and I'll, I'll, I'll teach you how to play sport, to do sport education in an hour. Um, did a whole season in, in Hong Kong in an hour playing table football. It was fantastic. It was really good fun. Um, and, but one of the things I decided to do was to put this paper into action. One of the things that Michael and I decided right from the beginning was if we couldn't think of ways to do this, if it couldn't be used in a classroom and it wasn't worth the paper, it would be not printed on. Um, so we took some time to try to think about what, not just what they were, but how they might look in practice because as I said, I think as, uh, as, as authors and, and practitioners, if we can't, if we couldn't do it, then it wasn't worthwhile. So I took this to uh, Hong Kong and had a group of uh, teachers come to try it out. And I tried to stick to the premise. I didn't plan anything. I knew what I wanted to do, but because of the different elements, I couldn't really lay down a plan. And we ended up doing all of these things. Um, and it, it, it stretched me as a teacher in, in the way that we had it. You know, somebody who's taught for 25 years, somebody who's used cooperative learning for you know, nearly 20 years. Uh, it was a challenge just to, to do it in that way. But then we started to realize that there were different levels that these sorts of things could occur at. Um, and within pedagogy, is it, I think, is the decision to, as I said, to teach about cooperation and becoming cooperative. The within the lesson is setting up those, those aspects of the situation is cooperative, not the child. Um, and that actually different children have different ends in view and these should be considered and respected within a lesson um, before the lesson actually begins. And then when we start to plan our units of work or our curricula, that they actually have a directional and a, and a temporal element. And I think the challenges of those is that where you start, is, there is no endpoint. Um, I've just um, written, um, I've just recorded a, a, um, a blog on the temporal element um, and I've used an analogy. Uh, I think it was Kevin Costner. Was it was a it was a trailer or a film sat in a in a car, and a, it was a young young child next to him, and and he said something like, "Welcome to the time machine." And the kid kind of went, "Well," and he went, "Yeah, looking out the back window, that's the past. This is the present, and in front of us is the future. Where would you like to go?" 
And I guess that's kind of the aspiration here is we don't ask kids where they want to go. We tell them where they need to go. Um, uh, and I know that Mikhail and I are not suggesting that this is the entire school curriculum. This is what kids experience in every lesson. And, and we just, you know, we are what I described in this, this blog as pathfinders. It's not the way, you know, we're not suggesting that, but if cooperation is the outcome that we're looking for, then we shouldn't necessarily, well, not we shouldn't be predetermining where that takes us. Mm. Yeah. 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 In, in a couple of times through the conversation, you've both, um, you know, kind of referenced this shift from making kids be cooperative to kind of developing cooperative environments that, that promote cooperation or that, that require cooperation. Um, and as you've used that kind of distinction, it, it makes me think about the way that some other pedagogical models can be misinterpreted. Um, and so I, I think that sometimes TPSR, for example, which is one of the ones that I have the, the greatest frame of reference with, sometimes you know, that gets distilled down to being nothing more than just a behavior management scheme. And it's like, okay, you know, we're gonna post the, the, the goals or the TPSR levels on the wall and we're gonna refer to them. And if kids aren't being respectful, we're gonna point at that and say, you know, you're not being respectful. Um, and that obviously doesn't capture the full meaning or ethos behind um, uh, but behind TPSR. And so I wonder if that distinction that you're making here is kind of similar. Like, is there that risk that cooperative learning could be misinterpreted and distilled down to nothing more than a mechanism to, to, to try to force kids to be cooperative? Yeah, for, um, for me, it's about, since it's education we're doing, I mean, just putting kids together doesn't make them cooperate in that sense. We need to have an educative element in terms of how do we move them in a certain direction where they, we, we, we give them possibilities to cooperate in, in different, in diverse ways with, uh, but still we need to push them in a certain direction. It's about education. It's an education always has some sort of goal and it's about the, talking to them and discussing what, what, what is cooperation with you? What we need to do cooperation, uh, how, how, it, what is a cooperative act? And then it's about redoing, doing it over and over again. And I mean, for me, cooperative learning is something you, you can't just do, let's do three weeks of cooperative learning. Then we can go back to do football and, and basketball and, and gymnastics again, <laughs> because it's, it's about, it's about an educational kind of position to, uh, and always start with this is about cooperation. Then start with cooperation. Not not for me. It's it's a kind of uh, vulgar kind of pedagogy. Uh, okay, now we're we're playing basketball. Okay, we're doing it together. We need to do passes, and then it's good for cooperation. No, the other way around. Start with okay, cooperation. What is that? Define it together with the kids. What do we mean? What do we need to learn? Do we then do basketball? Maybe, but maybe not. So it, it's more like doing it in the right way. Start with what, where we're supposed to go. It, it's not, we're not saying do anything. We're saying be a good teacher and, 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 and start with what we, uh, I wrote in another paper, right? It's not, it's not kind of rocket science, but if, if, if you want a kid to learn something specific, don't keep it a secret. So it's, it's about tell them what you what you expect and what what we should learn and where should we should go, but go there together. It's that's cooperative learning for me. It's also about what do you value. 
So if you value, you know, the levels in TPSR, and that's the place that you start, and I guess that's the place that you, the only place that you go, and then that's a that's an ethical decision between yourself and 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 just young people and the model that you're using. And, you know, we can't be dictating what TPSR is to any individuals. You know, if we then went into that classroom and researched it, then, you know, the description of the approach would be uh, the levels. And then we could understand what, what had occurred as a consequence of that. It's not necessarily for us to dictate. And for some people, that prescriptive notion of moving the kids up and down the levels in GPSR can be quite useful. Mm. Um, but it's certainly not, you know, Hellison's intention. Um, mm. But I, I think there's, you know, there's the, sorry, go. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I was just going to ask. You know, so um, are there are there boundaries though? You know, so uh, where where does where does where does cooperative learning begin and end? And and when and when is it cooperative learning? And when can we look at something and say, well, this is no longer cooperative learning? Um, and I guess the reason that I ask that is that TPSR again is one of those models that kind of gets misinterpreted and interpreted in a variety of different ways and. A couple of, of colleagues of mine a few years ago wrote about this notion of a toxic mutation where, you know, something strays so far from intent that that it doesn't actually encapsulate uh, what that model originally was supposed to look like or, or could look like. And, in, and instead, it's just kind of like something that's not TPSR, but it's called TPSR. And so I wonder if there's that same risk with cooperative learning or, or if you if you have a different kind of philosophy and perspective on that. I, I guess it's it, the whole thing is temporal because if you'd have asked me that question four or five years ago, I would have got you know would have told you that it wasn't cooperative learning and uh, and, and and therefore it it, it 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 doesn't happen. I mean, cooperative cooperative learning is built on um, social interdependence theory. There's different types of interdependence. There's positive interdependence, negative interdependence. There's zero in interdependence. Um, so, you know, I, I think for for it to be cooperative learning, there would have to be a level of, of positive interdependence. I mean, the, the two critical elements that all the all the sort of advocates of cooperative learning would agree on is are only positive interdependence and individual accountability. So, so I, you know. Um, is it uh... and and for for me it's it's about uh, it's about uh, well sometimes it doesn't matter what you call things uh, mm -hmm. in terms of because um, sometimes the boundary between a, a model with with good intent like cooperative learning or good teaching where you teach them to cooperate I would say yeah so what go for it I mean. It's, it's about good teaching. Then, of course, any, any uh, the problem is if, if if you focus on cooperation and, and think about that in an, an educational situation, that's fine fine with me too. And and sometimes it, if I try to teach something really well, like cooperation to kids within physical education, and then somebody else can tell me if it's cooperative learning or not. But if I know I'm doing a good thing doesn't matter but if, if if the model of cooperative helps you doing that good teaching fantastic then of course as you say it can be let's say misused 
But it's for me, the misuse isn't if you call it cooperative learning or not. It's about when you when you do something and, and try to justify it with cooperative learning, but not following the basic ideas of good teaching in it, then you are not really honest with what you're doing. I think. Yeah. Um, so uh, last question that, that I've got, and then I'll turn it back over to, to Risto. Um, so, so what are the implications coming off of this paper? Um, you know, how do you hope that this gets used to, you know, maybe uh, influence future teaching, or you know, are there implications for future research that that spin off of this? What what are your what are your guys' thoughts about what what comes next? I guess it's to me it's it's this is part of a, a piece that we need to be doing collectively in 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 everything that we do is not resting on. Not resting on our laurels, I guess, and and, and 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 not regurgitating the same processes, but being willing to challenge the fields that we're expert in, whatever that means. Um, yeah, you know, I'd really like to see, um, you know, consideration, increased considerations of quantum learning and what it is, but also considerations of other approaches, whether it's direct instruction or whether it's, uh, which we can uh, debate on whether it's a pedagogical model or not. Um, it is a pedagogical model because Mike Metzler defined it as a pedagogical model, and 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 that's in the vocabulary. And and, and you know, to me, that's probably the, the strongest definition because of the influences of you know Mike's compendium um, has kind of set up. But you know, people would argue that it isn't. Um, but I think we need to consider and problematize these things. You know, if we look at the um, you know, what David Kirk and I are working on a book on models-based practice. And we would say that every model has a main idea, some critical elements and some learning aspirations. Um, and looking at some of the, you know, critical elements and learning aspirations in some of the models as we've been doing in, in researching the book, then, you know, there's certainly needs to be a, a you know, processes of reconceptualization and what we call reconsideration between the model itself and, and, and the theory. So, you know, to see people problematizing all of these these processes and looking at what they, they can still become in terms of processes of evolution. Um, you know, I'd love people to come, you know, back to us and I think we've lost a little bit of that face-to-face, -face, paper-to-paper critical debate in physical education. You don't I haven't seen a, a response to so and so's paper for, mm. for since since Sport Education Society did did one on tech tech, tech technology. It'd be nice to see some you know some a debate of ideas that didn't occur either in 100 or 280 characters or on you know at a conference. So you know I think you know we need to do, you know a debate of ideas around what's happening and we need each other to be respectful but to be critical and 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 to challenge us to think and as a lot of research gets published um that doesn't do anything we've all done it i asked a question recently on social media which is the best paper you've ever written that no one's ever read um but we didn't we we don't, we, we acknowledge each other we cite each other um but I think sometimes that critical debate on carrying the, the subject forward, and, and in my case, cops learning on models-based practice, you know, and, we've got to yeah. keep having those debates. Yeah. And for me, for me, it's about using edu 
if PE is about education, which I think it is, then, then educational theory can help us do things or think differently or put the educational glasses on and think differently. And, and that is what Ash and I did. Ash and I aren't always in agreement of the use of pedagogical models in, in every sense. But this is how, how can we, okay, cooperative learning is out there. How can educational theory help us think differently about when we use it in education? So, so for me, my hope is that, that this could spark a discussion. Okay, how can, how can it become more educational if or when we use um, cooperative learning as a model? Yeah, and I think that, um, you know, you end the paper with saying, you know, if basketball skill development is your main model or if it's your main goal for that lesson, then maybe cooperative learning is not what you should be using. And I think, you know, further, like right above the conclusion, you talked about how, um, you know, the educator has to be willing to throw out their objectives um, that they might have for that skill development if cooperation is the goal. So you do a really good job of explaining um, a, you know, a theoretical piece that there is a um, you know, teacher in a classroom who's teaching Ultimate Frisbee and it goes through all of the concepts of maybe Ultimate Frisbee is the vehicle for cooperation, but, you know, that shouldn't be the goal of skill development in Ultimate Frisbee, and if you're using cooperative learning and the goal is cooperative learning, then you know you might stop the game in the middle where something good is happening skill development-wise, but something bad is happening in cooperation-wise and, and totally be willing to give that up. And I think that brings a question of, you know, you just have to have really competent teachers. And Ash, your you know, 2013 model space practice paper you talked about you know, our models um, fit only for test pilots, right? And so... Well, that's Alan Lunders, the late well, Alan Lunders, so I'm not going to quite claim that one, but yes. Yeah, and... Is, is it the great white, white elephant? Yeah, and, and we look at that, and we, we have to really look at, are teachers competent enough, let's say in first year, going in and fully being able to give up their objectives and just go with the flow and knowing the model so well that they put cooperative learning ahead. And I think that's a big piece in just, and I think in education in different countries, it's very different. You know, some countries you go in and you learn to be a PE teacher for five years. And in the US, you learn to be a PE teacher for two years on paper, but a year of that is probably kinesiology courses and a full year is, you know, methods classes. And then you have a really enriching, like really good student teaching experience. But, you know, I think in the US, that's one of the reasons why we maybe not, we don't have these right out the gates kind of, you know, models-based practice practitioners because it takes time for them to really learn the pedagogy, period and be comfortable in their own skin to then come through. So I think that's where professional development is, is such a huge thing. And in the US, there are several states that require zero professional development after you get your uh, teaching credential. So you get your teaching credential at age 21 and you retire at 60 and you don't have to learn a single thing after that. So I don't know if that was just me venting about the education system or not, but. Since we're talking no, about but education. I think it's. Um, 
I think it's uh, interesting. I mean, you know, unsurprisingly, the the model that I hear, you know, the young teachers I've worked with over the years talk about tends to be cooperative learning because not only do I, you know, talk about it, I do it. Every lesson is, every lecture is some form of, they're in groups and they're learning in jigsaw and they're learning in, in pair share and think pair share and, and, and quiz quiz trade and we do all sorts of things in, in every session that we have together and, and that's and so they're very familiar with it they see it all the time so when they go out to schools they're able to you know use little 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 structures in small parts of lessons which then get caught up with the, the local partnership and then they talk about it and they're using it and, and so it takes time and it's a it's a it's a, it's kind of a development and and when people have talked about models as being innovative 40 years after they were invented i think that time has passed but they're still new to a lot of people and you know if you if you mention sport education or teaching games for understanding or tpsr a lot of people know what they are they've come through they're, they're no longer innovations but they're still challenging educative approaches to teaching which can be um toxic and can um be poisonous i guess in that way but can equally be enriching and enlightening but yeah. and I, I the more we also, talk about it the more it's in the vocabulary yeah i, I would say i Sorry? would also argue if you go into the shape america conference some of the more popular um, sessions are sport education, TPSR, these models-based practices. And I always see people leaving from there going, oh, I've never heard of this model. Like, this is such a cool way. Can I get all your resources? Because I want to try to implement this. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of ways that you can graduate to be a physical education teacher in this country that you will never see a single model. And it's just about, you know, teaching, teaching PE. So... But as we're as we're kind of uh, wrapping up here, um, Ash, I'd I'd like for you to just really briefly um, talk about you've you've since the pandemic hit, you started putting out these short videos about cooperative learning online. Um, can you explain what that is and where to find them, and what was your kind of goal with that? Yeah, I mean, I guess my goal was. Um, trying to give something back. Uh, since I left uh, secondary education, a lot of the, what I've tried to do is stay connected with teachers and, 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 and kind of do what I can to help, um, which is, you know, we're all busy just trying to, that commitment. And there's all this stuff going on on Twitter, you know, HP at home and people were sharing stuff. And I was like, well, what can I share? Well, I can't, you know, I'm not going to go in my garden and start doing a video on how to do handstands or anything like that because that, um, that seemed to be not my remit. So what, you know, what's my expertise? Um, my expertise is, is kind of not just theoretical about models, but actually using models and, I decided, well, I know a little bit about cooperative learning. Um, people are busy, so let's keep these short. I think the longest video is five and a half minutes and the shortest is about two and a half minutes. And the idea is just to say, look, you got time. These videos are on YouTube. Uh, there's a, it's a cooperative learning and physical education channel I've set up. I've now I've published the 35th video today. I don't know if they're any good. Um, 
but it, it helps me to try to simplify these ideas. If I can't articulate, again, it's that process. If I can't articulate them and I can't explain them in a short, sharp you know, situation, then uh, then the model is not worth it because if it is only for test pilots, then and the test pilots can't explain it, then you know it's a <laughs> it's a so it's a bit of a waste of time, really. So, yeah, I guess that was the, it was a, something back in a different way to the, the blog, but give something back. Um, you know, I'm, I'm desperate now for ideas. People need to, you know, I've done 35 of these. I think I've got the next set of ideas, but I may move on to a different model. So, Kevin, you and I, Andrew, you and I might be coming in and doing a, a TPSL one soon. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, that was it, really. It was, it was, it was to try to be, well, try to help, Yeah, I guess. <laughs> was it, really? Um, uh, Mikhail, any uh, final thoughts or final words of wisdom? Not really, but for me, it's, it's, I mean, we need to have a long look in the mirror in teacher education, what we do. Do, do, do we help future students to to work with the educative parts or do we give them methods courses on and then expect them to make them educative with children? And I mean, sometimes we need to look at ourselves. Do we focus on the educative elements that we think they're going to use later on? And that, that is a little bit what Ash and I were thinking about. If we, we need to try it out, we need to try to come up with examples that actually could work. Otherwise it's just a, a theory. Uh, in that sense, so, so I, th I think um, teacher education has a lot of jobs job to do here too to help future P teachers in this endeavor to make it more educative. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, really appreciate everybody uh, getting on in four different time zones. Um, and it's, I mean, it's a great like really good look into how we can reconceptualize cooperative learning in physical education. And as you noted, uh, Mikhail at the, in the paper is uh, putting the E in PE. Um, so hopefully we can continue to build community to support teachers and also to make some changes at the teacher education level that, that you talked about at the universities to really reshift our focus. And, and, and like you said, take a good, hard look in the mirror. There are some really great programs out there that are doing really great things. Just look in the mirror. Okay, looks good, keep going, you know, but other ones that, you know, might, might have to re rethink and reshift. So we'll link uh, Ash to your blog and to that, um, to that channel as well. And, um, and you can follow everybody on here on Twitter and you can see those uh, conversations uh, that are really um, in very short form educative uh, in uh, short 240 characters or whatever it is. So uh, that's all we have. Thank you, Kevin, for, uh, for joining us as well. And um, that's all we have for you on this one. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everyone.